0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to...
1: Episode 50.
0: Did you practice that in your head?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did it sound good? I was pretty excited.
0: I don't know. Let's try it again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to...
1: Episode 50. It sounded the exact same. See, I've been practicing.
0: want to welcome you to this week's Yawa, which I was waiting for you to say, Yawa, episode 50. You uh-huh. needed more practice. More practice. hmm Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a couple really fun things to talk about. First of all, we wanted to open with just a little uh, email that we had received recently. And it's, it's really fun to get things like this, and we want to share it with you all.
1: Yeah, so I actually got this email this morning from Lindsay Howell. And we don't always get emails like this, but when we do, it makes us feel so good and happy that we're able to help people. So, hi, Cat and Ethan. I just wanted to reach out and say thank you. I stumbled across your videos when I was scrambling to learn everything I could about whelping puppies for an incoming pregnant foster I was about to take in. She was found living outdoors in the frigid cold, we live in Missouri, and was very obviously pregnant.
0: Well, yeah, if you wrote that, I mean, this it's freaking cold outside, it's folks. So cold on the way into town, it was negative 10 degrees
1: real temperature. Yeah, that's not what the, considering that's what the, truck the wind read. chill,
0: negative 10 degrees.
1: Bring your animals inside. So, I watched so many of your videos, many of them multiple times to prepare as best I could. They were truly invaluable. I was able to be calm and confident during the birth to help mama deliver 10 puppies. Holy cow. They are all healthy and gaining weight. I started biosensor training on day three and even clipped their nails on their one-week birthday. We are a day or two away from eyes and ears opening, I think, and with each stage, I continue to feel confident thanks to you guys. I certainly don't ever plan on breeding, but you've given me the confidence to be able to help out pregnant strays that need and deserve the same love and tender care. It's clear you take breeding very seriously and provide an incredible life for all of the dogs that cross your path. I'm in awe. Thank you for all that you do.
0: That was really nice.
1: It was really nice. And congratulations on the litter and that everybody's healthy and happy and that you're confident in each stage as you go along.
0: Yeah. In case anybody was wondering, we actually have a, a playlist that show from the preparing for whelping a litter to the actual entire whelping process. The video is really long. We had a few complaints about that, but we wanted to show an entire whelping process and it's an entirety. And... An entire in its entirety, good words, Ethan, but um I think the video is like an hour long.
1: It's a long video we yeah it's about out an hour some long. parts but. but it
0: does show giving birth to ten puppies. It was actually Breezy's litter here, yeah, going on a year ago now, not quite a year not
1: quite a year, but quite coming year. up on it
0: yep, so that video, if you are interested in watching it as well, it's uh, how to whelp a litter of puppies, ten German short hair pointers born. Yep. That's it.
1: And then it's also the beginning of an entire series on helping raise that entire litter till they're ready to go home at eight weeks old.
0: Exactly. Like we do it for anybody that's curious. Um, now folks, it's morning time. So we have coffee and with this coffee, um, I know uh, there's still quite a few of you that are here just for the bourbon. We've got something extra special here. This is the, uh, Buffalo trace distillery. One of my favorite y'all know, um, Bourbon cream. So, ooh, it's uh, this has been opened before, so this isn't like a new try on me, and it's kind of leaking down the side here. Oh, that's sweet. So, what we're gonna do here? This is like, it's like Irish cream.
1: That smells good.
0: Uh huh. Let's see here.
1: Irish this... cream, except it's bourbon cream. It's bourbon cream. Yeah. So it's like Kentucky cream. Kind of. In, in a sense, yeah.
0: Now we just need to stir, stir that. I don't have a stir.
1: Want to use my straw?
0: Ooh, that would help.
1: <laughs> okay. There you go. I see you were well prepared for this.
0: Hmm.
1: I'll put that back in here now.
0: Okay. Um I think in order to taste much of it, I would need to a, just drink it. I would need more. But um <laughs> It's sweet, folks. It's it's a it's a cream
1: liqueur. Liqueur type of.
0: would probably work really well in something like uh, the the what other things do you use like white Russians or something. You're expecting to be really sweet for me. Not my cup of coffee, if you will. <laughs> um, so we're gonna set that over there, and when Cat is no longer carrying our our new child, we'll just stick with this.
1: Maybe then I can enjoy it Cause- Sweet and sticky and syrupy liqueur is right up my alley. Liqueur. Excellent.
0: But we tried it, folks. If you're interested, you like that kind of thing, Buffalo Trace Distillery makes a bourbon cream. Fun fact.
1: Okay, so let's move on to our first question.
0: Or we could uh, talk about our sponsors.
1: Or we could do that. It's kind of a new thing, so I'm getting used to mentioning it at the beginning.
0: Absolutely. So, um, first of all, we start off with DT Systems. DT Systems is the e-collar company that we've trusted for years and years and years and is our go-to for any dog electronics. Right now, a still big go-to for Cat and I on a training basis on the daily would be the H20 1820 series. But if we're looking at puppy work, I would say we kind of stick more with the MR1100. I for really like color. the MR1100. And then hunting wise, I'm a big fan of the 1450. It's the wrap, wrap 1450. 1450. When I'm going to use multiple dogs out there, or jumping up into if you're you like all the bells and whistles, the SPT 2432 has all the features and all the things.
1: And we also are sponsored by Yukonuba dog food. Yeah. We tested that food for a while on our personal dogs before we even thought about introducing it to the kennel and through lots of testing and seeing how our dogs performed on it, we decided it was definitely the best food to be feeding our dogs.
0: We currently feed um, the twenty six sixteen to our dogs that are kind of in a maintenance or have a lower metabolism, 30-20 uh, to dogs that are higher metabolism or working a bit harder in training, And then all of our puppies eat uh, the large breed puppy food.
1: And last but not least, Kent Cartridge. We love using their ammunition for not only hunting, but our training program as well. I love their poppers. They're probably the most reliable uh, blank that goes in a 12 gauge that we've found uh, as far as sound and consistency. We really like that. And it's a really important part of training when you're working on gunfire introductions.
0: We use the um what is it called?
1: Fast lead?
0: Uh for hunting wise, yeah. We oh. shoot fast lead primarily. I was trying to think of their target loads. It's uh um I had it just a second ago. Now it's gone. Elite Target Pro, excuse me. There it is. Just came back to me. Um we use it. we shoot the elite target. Um Pro Target Elite. What the heck is it? Elite pro target. That's what it is. Um, we're going to go with that anyhow, folks. Fact check me. Go to their website. Check some info out on shotgun shells and tell me if I was wrong. But uh, it's the seven and a half. halfs. So we're shooting a standard load, light. All the shots are close. And then as far as hunting goes, yes. We shoot fast lead primarily when we're upland hunting, unless there's a place that we really need to be shooting non-toxic. And then we're switching over and shooting bismuth. Now, definitely bismuth is a little bit more expensive, but you're getting like lead performance when you can't shoot lead so um, big fan of that and we can't forget to mention the biggest sponsor of the whole situation and that is the folks on patreon all right everybody that uh, is a patron or is considering being a patron we want to say thank you to you as well and you guys are the ones that uh, help purchase the equipment help make this better help us to be able to continue continue to put more time, effort, and energy into creating more videos for you.
1: So now that we have thanked you guys, which is a super important part of this podcast and our Yawa videos on YouTube, now we're gonna answer the first question. Let's do it. So first question is from Angelo Icomini, which I am sorry if I mispronounced your name. Yawa question, I have a five-year-old GSP that I have spent a tremendous amount of time with. We have trained, hunted, and guided. Now I also have an eight-month-old that I'm super excited about. My problem is I have tremendous guilt when I leave the five-year-old home to train and hunt the pup. How do you manage dogs without feeling like one dog is getting left behind? So that's a really good question. And all of our Yawa questions from come from YouTube and come from the comment sections in YouTube. So if you have a question ask it by saying Yawa question. They're really easy for us to search and find that way.
0: Absolutely. It's it's awesome that you're talking about this specifically in the sense of feeling bad, leaving the older dog behind because a lot of times it's the opposite. We hear it all the time. It's like, ah, it's just easier to take the older finished dog and that's not gonna provide the experience that that young dog needs. Now, granted, depending on the type of hunting you're doing, hunting them together is possible, but then if the older dog is overshadowing the younger dog, you've got to give that younger dog the opportunity to shine on its own as well. Um, so I don't think is, we're the right people probably to ask about this hundred percent. Cause we have quite a few dogs.
1: Yeah. And it is a balancing act because like Ethan was saying, you need your young dog to get out there and gain the experience and gain the training so that they can become like your five-year-old is just easy and enjoyable to take hunting and not having to constantly manage them. But, They have to get there and we have to put the time in to get them there. So giving them those one-on-one training sessions and one-on-one hunting opportunities so that they can learn on their own is great. But having a dog that's five years old, that is more experienced, has the training is also a really good opportunity for that young puppy to learn from. They can watch how that other dog hunts a field. They can watch how that dog interacts when they're, you know, working scent and, They can learn a lot from that older dog. Like Ethan said, as long as that older dog isn't overshadowing and in a sense competing with that younger dog to the point where the younger dog doesn't get any pointing opportunities, the younger dog doesn't get any retrieving opportunities. So then they start thinking, well, why even bother? And that's when you have to see what's going on and manage that and say, okay, next field, I'm going to put the older dog away. And it's all going to be about the young puppy hunting this field. Usually there's a stamina issue involved as well where the dogs can only hunt for so long before they need a break. So flip-flopping and switching fields, um, maybe taking your young puppy where you know are your honey holes or places that you're more likely to find birds so that they can get on those birds and gain that experience because birds make a bird dog and your older dog has already gained that experience. And they also understand that they may have to work a little bit harder and not get bored in the process. So planning out your hunting trip and situation uh, accordingly would be great if at all possible. Sometimes you're just going on walk and stuff and you don't know what to expect. So you don't know if this is going to be a good place to hit up or not.
0: That's always the the game I try and play. It's like, oh, this is going to be the spot, right? <laughs> and I do that with people too. Like, okay, you know, um, Ryan hadn't shot anything to yet today, and he's sitting over there in the corner crying about it. You know, it's just typical Ryan, and he knows. I mean, if he watches this, he knows who he's talking. About. We know what we're talking about here. He's just complaining about the fact that he hadn't shot enough birds yet today. And I'm like, all right, buddy, this is the spot here. This is where you should be. I'll go out there and walk in the wherever you go here. Well, I go over there and walk, and then I still get all of the shooting or whatever happens, he's like, Oh, you just you're doing this on purpose, you know. And it's like, no, I, I really want everybody to, especially when I'm guiding, I'm not carrying a gun. It seems like wherever I try and put the person that's not getting as much shooting as everybody else. And they struggle. So it's a, it's a tough game to play when we're guiding, which is, is a luxury, I will tell you from a dog development standpoint, have lots of access to lots of birds and the ability to hunt lots of days and take them along and allow them to learn at their pace and things like that. Um, they usually end up being a second or a third dog, seasoned dog on the ground doing work. Another puppy that's there learning but not causing problems is key um but not necessarily adding a ton to and then when you start to see them climb up those ranks um it's pretty cool and then this last year we did a late season hunt and i pretty much hunted two puppies. dogs the whole well my two dogs that i was handling were the same two dogs the whole time i had splash who at that point in time wasn't even 5 months old
1: yeah and then, a baby,
0: baby. and guts who this is kind of her first coming of age you know it was yeah,
1: she was only like three or four months old last season, so she and yeah, it was this cold. Is, this
0: was her first big season. So um I rotated those two back and forth every field, so it was like switching the puppies back and forth, so they're they're almost more guaranteed to get the opportunity. So, in your situation, how do you deal with the guilt?
1: Try and not think about it as a guilt situation. Think about each opportunity for your puppy and your older dog are again, learning experiences. Uh, even if your puppy doesn't get to necessarily do a training session and you're going to give that time to your older dog, they can maybe watch that training session and learn some patience, which is also really, really important for puppies to learn.
0: Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. It is.
1: So I think that was a really good question. And one that, uh, like Ethan said, usually gets asked in reverse.
0: What do we got next, babe?
1: Next question. I thought this one was really interesting and I wanted to answer it because it's near and dear to my heart. Chris
0: Pulchny. Is it about lungs?
1: No, it's not about lungs. Thanks, that's (laughs) very literal of you. Yawa question. My female GSP will be 15 months old in 10 days. Is it normal for her to have already been through two heat cycles? Of course, the first started the week of Oklahoma's early teal and dove season opened and her second, the last month of our duck season. So after all her early life training, we missed our first hunting season together. Others have said that she very well may keep the same cycle until her first litter. True or fiction? So. First first, of all. First of all, I want to ask why did you make her set out her first season just because she was in heat. Um, we have dogs that are in heat a lot. I mean, we have multiple dogs that are part of our breeding program. Mm-hmm. They aren't always getting bred, so they come into heat. And it's a lot of times during hunting season or training season. And so we train them like we normally do. We hunt them like we normally do. Yeah. Now, we can even, with our personal dogs, can hunt our females that are in heat with our males and when they're in the field, they're all about their business. They know their job, they know they're out there to hunt, they know they're not out there to screw around, <laughs> no pun intended, and they get their job done out there. Now, background
0: say the same is true when we owned coon hounds.
1: <laughs> no, that's a story <laughs> in and of itself. We'll get there someday. But <laughs> um with our Upland dogs are short hairs. They can go out, hunt a field together intact, in season, and hunt just fine. Now, when we get back up to the truck and they're milling around, I'm going to load that female up right away so that we don't have the opportunity for a tie. But if you are hunting by yourself or with other females, really hunting a female in season shouldn't be an issue and shouldn't be something that you don't do. Um, I know that as a woman and having heat cycles or menstrual cycles. I definitely didn't stop doing things just because I was in heat. (laughs) I'm talking about myself as a dog, but I mean, I still played sports. I still go hunting. I still do all the things. I'm not gonna let that, you know, take me down where I can't have those experiences. And I don't think that we need to treat our dogs any differently when they're in heat um, and have this same expectation that they can go out and hunt. So that's my two cents about not letting your dog hunt during their heat cycles. But to answer your question about how often you should expect cycles.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's different for every dog. And the, the difference really comes into play with, I've seen some dogs start cycles as early as six months old. Which um, isn't
1: too common, but it does happen. It
0: does happen. And we've seen dogs uh, split cycles and have what seems like they're having more than one cycle in a six month window or
1: like the never ending heat cycle where it's like this dog is cycling and it's been going on for 45 Maggie. days.
0: Yeah, Maggie used to when she didn't get bread and everything else, she would bleed for even when she did get bread. I don't know for sure when she wasn't bred, her normal heat cycle would last. F- I'm, I'm between forty and fifty days, she bled forever.
1: And I know when we had Gidget, she used to get bred on like day forty, which is not there was normal. a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: she was. So you're talking. Heat, I mean, heat cycles lasting forever. It can happen. Um, but as far as on average, dogs are going to cycle every six months, give or take. And when they get bred, that changes. That a little bit usually we'll push it uh, a month or so, give or take, depending on when the puppies are born and off, and all of those things can it can shift a little bit. Um, but for the most part, no, they're going to stay fairly consistent.
1: As uh, well as having have. multiple females together that come into heat, um, one female can bring another female into heat sooner than they normally would be um, coming into heat. So that. Females can sync up a little bit. And then I would say one of the big things that we found and that comes back to Yukonuba, is our dogs have cycled a lot more consistently, like every six months, instead of skipping heat cycles, instead of having those, um, split cycles. And it's,
0: there's three main factors that play into that. And cycle regularity can be a, um, an indication of fertility or potential fertility issues, but Um, It definitely makes it difficult if you are trying to plan around things from a breeding standpoint, but, um, you've got genetics, you've got environment, and then you have nutrition and our dogs environment didn't change. Their genetics didn't change, but their nutrition did. And they went from, Oh, every 12, I mean like grit specifically, she went 18 months without a cycle, I think. And then now she's six months on the dot. And that was in between litters even. So it's not, it's not a, she was bred and then that fixed it. No, she's- um, The
1: only change for us had been the food.
0: Yeah. Yep. Nutrition. So it, there definitely is something. And not that there's uh, one dog food for every dog, but it's definitely better for hours, So
1: Great question. And I hope we were able to answer that for you. So this question- Kind of talks a little bit about coon hounds, which is funny because we were just mentioning them in the last question and answer. Perfect
0: opportunity to tell the story.
1: Right. Come on now. So, from Rex Fitzgerald.
0: We'll answer the question for sure. Right to business. Right to business. Then, for the
1: fun stuff How can I fix a coon hound that's gun shy? She's one and a half years old and will run a track in tree. But if I don't tie her before I shoot, she gets startled and leaves the tree. Any ideas?
0: How how strong is her fight? That's what I want to know. I mean, how much does she so there's going to be we'll talk about a few things of this. But this is a question that, um, you know, if anybody that's watching that has questions that haven't got answered or anything else, you can reach out to us. And we mentioned this a little bit as far as. Patreon and patrons and who that is, you can actually reach out to us at patreon.com slash standingstone kennels, where we answer questions on the daily, because there are so many that come through, we don't have time once a week to answer them all. So the uh, there may be some more parts that are involved into directly helping you through this, but we need to find a level of distraction to pull the dog's focus and keep it on something and not paying attention to the gunfire. And then once they're over that a little bit, you can teach them that the gunfire itself is in direct correlation with this exciting thing that you've built all this drive and desire around, and then they almost get excited about the gunfire in anticipation of what is to come. And I know when I ran coonhounds, and this is a little bit different depending on the guys that are running. If you're if you're running to from a, a trapping standpoint, not an, well, it's not trapping, but if you're running from a harvesting standpoint, let's go with that, not a um, trialing standpoint or night hunts, you're probably going to be shooting more coons to the dogs where if you're just running in the off season, you can't legally do that, right? So, or if you're training or if you're at events, you don't actually shoot to the dogs. So you're going to have to be in a situation where you can actually shoot coons to the dog to probably help this but then trapping a coon and utilizing it from a fight standpoint um you know because i know that my dogs really got off on that i mean it was like total flip of a switch especially duke and rage they were coon fighting sons of guns
1: they hated their coons
0: yeah it was rose she'd be always on the outside bouncing around she was the biggest dopiest one we had and she would uh, tend to one tree a possum over a coon any day. And I didn't care because I wasn't competing. So I just shot the possums to her as well, whatever. Um, have fun, Rose. You're just doing your thing. And it's more fun to tree something than it is to tree nothing. So, um, But all of that being said, we need something to pull the dog's focus. And,
1: and build that excitement and drive for that they then can almost ignore the gunfire that is actually happening. And it's The similar. nice thing is
0: it's only, it's only a 22. I mean those are kind of introductory style Calibers. guns which we don't recommend rifles because the sound is sharper, it's different than an actual shotgun pop, but it's not much more than a 209 primer. It's right. not much. So
1: or the, or the blanks that we use in the DT systems dummy launchers, those are 22 blanks. They have a little sharp. Those are sharp- way
0: louder than a 22 Rifle, rimfire okay. rifle. I would say. I mean, you've shot a twenty two without uh, earplugs in.
1: It's been a while. I try and protect my hearing.
0: I mean, it's yeah. not a whole lot more than that. It yeah. It's it's a there's a little pop to it, and but it's not much. Where that dummy launcher is loud.
1: Yeah, and it may be the location of the barrel compared to you know that the location. Pistol
0: of- too is louder than a rifle would be a lot of times. So. so. Um and we digress a little bit. But long story short We're having
1: a debate, but it's okay.
0: <laughs> Twenty-two caliber rifle isn't a whole lot in the grand scheme of things to get over, but we need to utilize something and uh training coon would probably be a good opportunity for that. You know, it's um
1: I was gonna say similar to how we utilize Birds, when we're using them Mm -hmm. for gunfire introductions for our upland dogs. Uh, We build that drive and excitement for that bird that they're focused on and chasing down and wanting to retrieve, and then the gunfire gets introduced. And it doesn't
0: even have to be a fight situation with the raccoon. I mean, you've got it in a cage. Dogs are pumped up. Get another dog with them. They're both barking at this cage, trying to get to the coon. The coon's going and
1: making horrible coon noises it,
0: and then off in the distance pop and then as long as there's no attention given to the noise pull that in that session good dogs and then bring it in again and bring that noise closer and closer and closer to the point where you can pop as you're as you're incorporating that into a training session so
1: really good question but i think we still need to share our coon hound hunting breeding story Oh, my goodness. It was
0: so, Rose, who was not the world, my, my favorite coon hound in the whole world, but she did produce some really And she sure
1: puppies. was sweet.
0: Yeah, she yeah. was sweet. Um, she was in heat. And we got a short time and window and had some friends in town. I'm like, nah, we're running the dogs. So, we dumped them out. I mean,
1: we do it with the dogs upland hunting all the time. Yeah,
0: it's a totally it's different fine. game, though. They run off 200 to with 800 yards, and they're just in the woods by themselves. While in the
1: dark, Wow, chicka, wow,
0: wow. Pretty soon, <laughs> Duke was treed, and Rose was on point. According
1: on, to on the, the, on the tracking caller.
0: And uh, so it was me in the middle, holding the two dogs together. So we find them and, tied.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and out in the
0: And Mike forest. and uh, I think uh, Charlie. Charles? Yeah was with us and he had one dog and he had the other dog and I had the dogs in the middle and we carried them out of the field, um, tied and
1: then had a litter of, coon hound a litter of
0: 10 coonhound puppies and Mike got to raise them.
1: Yeah. That was all Mike. Yeah. All I know is, but they came back for a little period of time and dang, they're noisy. Yeah. Noisy little figure, puppies. Huh? They
0: just barked and barked and, and barked howled. and barked and barked.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, uh. They were. Very it was an cute. experience. If they just were. If I to have
0: puppies, they were cute. I, mean, cute. I think they were cuter. I than think short they were cuter puppies. than short hair
1: puppies. I actually well, said dope-ier. that a couple of times. Well, they're
0: I mean, personality wise, Wrigly they're not little. Wrinkly little
1: faces. Yeah, they're just cute. They're super cute. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely not a plan to have a litter of coonhound puppies that happened in the middle of the night, tied one fine evening hunt. So.
0: Oh my goodness, no.
1: <sighs> it was an experience, mm. though.
0: All right. Do we have another question?
1: Yeah. We have one more that I really want to answer because uh, this one is actually really interesting. And I think that we'll have a little bit of conversation between you and I about answering this one.
0: Mm, A battle of wits. Sure.
1: From Michael Paulitz. Plus, it was seconded by Lola the Silver Labrador that said, I want a response to this, too. So... Do you guys ever experience regression or slippage in dogs' responses to cues during specific developmental periods in the dog's life? For example, acting like a teenager and blowing off recall cues that used to be super reliable when being let out in the backyard. So this is a really good question. And there's lots of things that we can say about this. So I'll let Ethan go first because he probably doesn't have as much to say about it as I do.
0: Um, the, there's a long answer, which I believe that y'all are going to get here shortly. And there's a short answer. And the short answer is yes, 100%. Um, especially with versatile breeds and short hairs and other dogs in the similar category of that versatile ishness. Um, I can't stress this enough. As much as we breed, cooperative, easy to handle, family companions, whatever, they are still bred to be independent hunting animals. And as that confidence and independence grows, you go through that cycle. It's like training and the puppy kind of relies on you and is excited. And then you hit that window where they're like, man, I'm real independent now, or I'm starting to gain that independence. And then you're level of training and cooperation goes back down and then you put more time, effort and energy into and then it goes back up. I mean, and still you 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 reach a point where there is a balance. You're not going to reach the top, top with every dog or every situation. Some of them more independent, less cooperative than others. But what it comes down to is They are what they are. Now, if you take a different breed to the situation, let's say some of the other dogs that we've worked with closely would be Labrador Retrievers or English Cocker Spaniels or um, the other ones are all kind of versatile-ish and I would see similarities maybe a little less from some of the, I don't know, Barocos or Spinoni, some of those dogs are a little more close working, a little more reliant, a little more cooperative. Um, but labs, cockers, they have an extreme level of cooperation, desire to please, things of that nature. And, and you don't lose say, as much. I would almost say
1: reliance kind of like. too yeah. on I mean, the handler. Yeah, I are bred to be reliant. Yeah, for sure. So... So it's that, different. yeah. And that's definitely something that I wanted to mention is people ask us or say this to us all the time. My little nine week old puppy is doing so great with their clicker training. They are coming when I call, they're sitting, they're getting on their dog bed. What? I, had,
0: I had this the other day. It was like, yeah, nine weeks old is the ex- exact. It's like, we've got it all done. Now what? I'm like, oh, just wait a just week. Just give it another I week. Mean.
1: And then like Ethan was saying that you get to that peak point and then you kind of regress because your puppy who has come to a new environment that is relying on you for meals and training and comfort and confidence Mm -hmm. is now coming into their own a little bit where they're going outside and feeling more confident, exploring their new environment and sniffing things out. And Listening to mom and dad, who might have a treat, become less important because these things over here that I want to sniff and chase and check out become more important. So you do, you get well, that the
0: treats. It's been a, been there, done that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's not as valuable as what they want to be doing for themselves. So you get that little bit of regression, and that's where. Doing different training techniques um, that we talk about with people all the time of generalizing training, making sure that your puppy is going to listen, not just in one specific training session in one specific room of your home, move that training session to a different area, make that training session last all morning where you have your treats and your puppy isn't necessarily listening. They're doing their own thing and you can still say, Hey, now would still be an important time to listen. Mm-hmm. So you can keep building on that. And changing the way that you're training. And then when you get to the point where you've generalized all this training, your puppy's doing a better job, but in those even higher distracting situations, they still want to do their own thing because they're independent, they're intelligent, they have curious minds. That's when we say, okay, now puppy is ready for collar conditioning. Because that way we can reinforce those behaviors that we already know and hold them accountable in those higher distracting situations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The other side of it that comes into play, and this is something that is a little bit of a side note, if you will, is uh, you mentioned uh, the level of reward, essentially. And I think that this goes, I mean, it goes hand in hand with what we're talking about with regressions or, um, you know, the puppies kind of fall. They're pretty sweet and pretty low key to begin with. And they kind of move into this teenager stage where they're running through the house, destroying things and biting you and fighting harder in your nail trim sessions or your, um, it's primarily nail trimming. So they start fighting back, pushing back a little bit more, or they're picking things up and running away from you. Cause they've now learned that for the last month, essentially you've, you've taken everything or two months, everything they're not supposed to have that they're interested in, you take away from them and what that comes down to is we we talk about a lot. Well, you need to um, take something away and switch them. And Like we do that. We give them their bones or we give them their toys and they just don't want anything to do with them. Well, it's no longer a they're high bored. enough level of reward. They have access to those things all the time. And they're like, man, I could care less if I have this toy. I want something new, something exciting, something different. We
1: see it with our son- as well. I mean, he's got, he's got the same toys he gets to play with on a regular basis. Well, if you put a couple toys away for a while or put them in his bedroom, then he wants to play with those specific toys up in his new bedroom, or he wants the new toy. um, Or if you get
0: a brand new toy, that's super exciting for a while. And then it kind of loses its luster a little bit. Yeah. And you, you fall back into that. Eh, I would like to go back to this toy for a little bit, or I need something else new. And when you can cycle them or provide an edible type chew, which we do this pretty regularly too. It's not something we talk about all the time, but it's something that um, we get out really high value treats, if you will. Um, A lot of times like the smoked bones or something. From
1: pork chomps.
0: Yes. Yep. The, the ones that are on our website are the ones that we're primarily using and they, um, they'll get that for 10 or 15 minutes, right? Not every day. They're getting another pork chomp for as long as they can chew it up and whatever else. And we just keep feeding those to them or they get this bone that they've now, like even an antler chew, the dogs love those right off the bat, but if they lie around, they're like,
1: meh,
0: antler chews. not as big a deal. But this really exciting, you know, smoked bone comes out for 10 or 15 minutes and then it goes away. And the next time you get it out, super excited for it again. And being able to have that higher value reward is the ticket. You've got to have something to switch that's more exciting than what you just took away. Otherwise, the dog learns that they want to avoid and hide and it's better to just try and keep what they have than to give it up, which they know is about to happen.
1: Yeah, so that kind of a little bit of digression, but it was really good information that I'm glad you shared. And then I just wanted to mention one last little tidbit as far as like the slippage and the regression on training and development levels with the dog's. So we get these puppies that are listening really well at 9 weeks old, 10 weeks old, maybe even upwards of 12 weeks old, and then they digress because they become more bold, confident, and independent. That's when we say, okay, let's generalize that training a little bit more and then start incorporating collar conditioning to reinforce that. Then we get the question of, well, they're going to always have to wear a collar, and then I'm always going to have to push the button, and they're going to become collar smart. And that's another question that people ask or another concern that they have. But that's not necessarily the case either. Yes, we need to be able to condition those behaviors that we're looking for. And that's through negative reinforcement, Mm -hmm. collar conditioning. Then we get to the point where we're not using the collar constantly to recall them or constantly to send them onto their bed. Then we use the collar in a form of positive punishment. It's the next, um, I don't want to say level of operation condition, but progression. There you go. Next progression of operant conditioning, where we give them the opportunity to listen. The first time we ask if they're not, then the caller comes so that they understand, Hey, in the form
0: of a punishment, it's a, Hey, you had the opportunity. You didn't do it right. There it is, Bubba, you know, and that can be, you know, we see this all the time with people are raising children. If you're familiar with that at all. I mean, it's, you can, you get a a timeout in the form of punishment or you lose privileges in the form of punishment. All of those things are um, punishment based and there's negative and positive, but they are what are going to ultimately make that situation more consistent.
1: Right. Because the reinforcement based training strengthens the behavior. So we want our puppy to listen and stay on their dog bed or come to us when we call every single time. So we're conditioning that behavior. We're reinforcing that behavior. Then we get to the point where we don't want to have to push that button every single time, but we can have the positive punishment side where we ask for the behavior. If the dog chooses not to, then they get the collar added to the situation as like Ethan said, the form of punishment. And then they learn to avoid the collar by just complying the first time. So we're weakening the behavior of them not listening. So eh, I'm going to blow mom and dad off. I'm a teenager. I'm choosing not to listen well, then you're going to reap the reward of the consequence for not listening.
0: And understand that this is different for every dog. So to say, oh, it's going to be by the time they're six months or four months or eight months or whatever, it's it's completely different for every dog. There are some uh, similarities amongst breeds that are similarly bred. You know, So if you watch our dog series, The timeline is fairly similar in the progressions that the dogs took, but if you move to different breeds or you move to different things, the timeline that you're going to take is going to be different, which is why when you watch through our videos and you watch through our series, it's more important to look at each individual video as not a timeline specific item, but more of a a task. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Now we move on to doing this and this and this doesn't matter if you're. You know, fourteen weeks old or sixteen weeks old, four months old or eight months old. If it takes you X amount of time to get there, you know it's just working at your dog's pace.
1: As well as whenever you started that that training can change as well. So sure. you have your checklist slash prerequisites that you have to accomplish before you can move on to the next thing.
0: You said p- p- prerequisites. <laughs>
1: I did. I stuttered and I'm so glad that you had to point that out. I was just going to like smooth Village over
0: it. is what brings us together today.
1: Put it in the comments below if you know what movie that's from. Well, folks, I'm out
0: of uh, coffee and I probably need to remove myself from the close proximity so I don't get punched.
1: That's probably a great idea. Thank you guys for watching. I'm and
0: the guy with the pink gun.
1: I'm Cat, the dog trainer. We'll see you next week. See you in the next video, or at least I will. I'm <laughs>